Support Your Life Living, a podcast about the life of a 20-something, the fuck-ups and learnings and real-life inspiration, how you and I can make the very most out of our 20s. Hello, my name is Olivia and I'm the host of Quarter Life Living and today I have a very exciting guest, Ali Maloji. Ali is a fantastic speaker who I've been following for quite some time now. He's a refugee, a school dropout, someone who had more than 40 different jobs from cleaning to managing our teaching and he also co-founded one of Austria's most successful startups, What To Do. He's a youth ambassador and basically has dedicated his life uh, to children, young people like you and I to basically help them to find their purpose in life and make the very most of their time here on earth. He's also one of the coolest male feminists I know and um, openly shares his story in such an authentic way on social media. I just wanted to invite him onto the show and we had an absolute amazing chat about finding your purpose, his daily life, how he got to where he is today and also how you can get rid of expectations that your parents, society and everybody else sets for you and lots lots more. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. I absolutely loved talking to Ali and hang on until the end to hear me talk about um, some of the things that we chatted about and how I've dealt with those things throughout my 20s. Bye. Ali, hello and welcome to the Quarter Life Living podcast. Thank you for having me. Ali, I already gave a quick introduction before we started, but maybe you can tell us a little bit about yourself, um, who you are, any of those listeners who don't know you yet, and what you're up to at the moment. Um, How much time do we have (laughs) for that introduction? (laughs) Uh, To keep it short, um, I'm from Iran. I was born in Tehran. I came to Austria as a refugee. I'm in Europe since, I think, approximately 30 years. I started my career as a school dropout. I had more than 40 jobs in my life. Uh, I have a bachelor's degree uh, in the in the area of of, um, of uh, very large uh, so IT and software services. Then I worked uh, in the world of the of the large corporations, uh, mainly for Siemens and, and other tech uh, companies. Then I had a burnout. <laughs> then I started to work as a teacher, and while working with kids, I found out that there's so many many things in the world out there where I can have an impact. So I started my own startup called What You Do, which is going to help kids to find orientation in the, in the job market. Uh, a year ago, I left the company. I'm still in the board of the company, but I left the company to do other things where I believe I can. I have more impact. I work with startups. I'm a keynote speaker. I, I make approximately 150 keynotes a year worldwide, wow. 30 per, uh, 40% in schools, and the rest with uh, leaders with people inside of companies, with people in the field of education. And I'm writing books and I <laughs> try to save the world. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
Oh my God, that's so much. And we're going to get more into detail later on. But um, before we do that, I want to know, do you have any morning or evening routines that kind of get you set up for the day, mm. get you set up for success? It totally depends. I do have my routines, but I don't practice them 365 uh, days a year. Mm. It totally depends. In summer, I don't have any routines. Yeah? My only routine is uh, I wake up when I wake up. <laughs> But, um, for example, in September, so um, in September and October and, and end of the year, it's the it's a phase of the year where I really can say I have so many things to do. And in that uh, time, I really need a morning routine. And it starts with going to bed at approximately 10 or 11 o'clock, uh, so latest. Then I wake up at around 5 o'clock in the morning. The first thing I do in the morning is um, I need some water two or three glasses of water then i do my breathing exercises i do have my so routines when it comes to breathing it's around five minutes of really deep deep breathing it's very very important for myself then i do meditate then i think about what i'm really thankful about in this world so i'm really grateful for it and then i do have my own vision board it's a it's a vision board which is very very large and what i do for nearly 15 to 20 minutes is I take a look at the vision board and in my own voice I do tell myself where I want to be one day and I do tell it to myself for around 15 minutes to a level where I'm really into it where I really can believe uh, okay uh, maybe I've made it <laughs> and this is my morning routine it takes me around 60 minutes and what I sometimes do uh, is that so before I start my morning routine I go for a walk or I go for a run, but for only 20 minutes. So my morning routine, sometimes it's around one one hour to 90 minutes. Sometimes in summer, there is no morning routine. It totally depends. Yeah, I totally, I totally understand. I'm in the same boat right now. And the vision board, so you actually stand and say it out loud. Like you actually say the words out loud. You don't just think them. The problem with us is that um, we have so many influences from outside, from the radio stations, TV, Netflix, uh, from, and everyone tries to tell us something. And the problem with our brain is we can't shut it down. It's not possible. So when you take a look at TV stations, when you take a look at the newspapers and you see everything is getting worse and worse, then you believe the bullshit. And what we need to do is we need to override these informations from outside and we need to use our senses. And our senses are our eyes, our ears, but we never use them to show ourselves who we are. We have it in our brains, but we have so many thoughts every day in our brains. We have, I think, scientists say that we have approximately 40 to 60,000 thoughts a day. It's, 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 it, can, it can totally kill you if you can't handle them. And what I do is I really write my visions on a piece of paper. I, I make a drawing out of it, and then I give my eyes and my ears the chance to see these informations or to get these informations from outside. And when you do that in the morning, when it's the first thing you do in the morning, then your brain starts to work into that path. And this is very important. And many years ago, I also had my visions board, but I only had it in my thoughts or, or only in front of myself, but I never talked about it. I never um, uh, said it to myself. And since I do that, <laughs> my life has totally changed. Amazing. I have to start doing that. Um, you have achieved so much in your life. Like you've written books, you've built a huge company, um, you've 
won awards and also on a personal level you've you. built a, a, a lovely family which you're very <laughs> open about um which i love about you um how do you define success for yourself or maybe how has it changed in the past couple of years one thing you just mentioned is very important it changes so it's totally okay when you're 20 years old and you want to see the world you want to travel you want to to make a lot of money maybe in a large corporation this is totally okay but you should understand that as you grow as you make experiences in life um the the kind of how you see success it's going to change and this is totally okay so so never mess around with people who who have a totally other point of view on success when i was younger <laughs> i still remember when i started to work in the large corporations the most important thing was a big car um it was my it, it was having a great business card a great job title my stock options this was the most important thing today nearly 10 years later um the most important thing for me in the morning is when i know i wake up next to my little baby girl she's five months old and next to my wife success today to to be honest uh, is um we all know that our life is going to end one day so in a hundred years we won't be alive this is totally okay and the thing is i don't know when my life is going to end my goal is to become 113 years old this is my goal <laughs> but maybe tomorrow a car could hit me and game is over yeah and success for me is that if someone would tell me today that you won't wake up tomorrow i could say this is okay there is nothing where i would say oh what the Maybe I should do this or do that. I There are so many things I do regret. For me, success is having a life where you don't regret anything and where you don't and where you know that you always gave your best um, from your point of view to have a life which had a lot of balance. This is for me success. And of course, money is important. Of course, family is important. But for me, in the end of the day, it's how I manage the balance between all of the things and staying true to myself. That's so, so lovely. Um, you just mentioned a little bit about your your 20s and how <laughs> life was very different back then and also your priorities. Can you take me back to your early 20s? Because we talk about your 20s in the Quasha Life Living podcast, all of the fuck-ups and learnings you go through. <laughs> um, can you take me back to your early 20s? Yeah. Uh, what were you doing there? What were you up to? What was Ali at, at 20? At that time, I was like a... <laughs> like a big pinball in a in a flipper game i had no idea what to do in my life um you have to know that when i was 13 years old my parents they broke up and i started to stutter and i stuttered for nearly 10 years of my life until i was 23 24 years old and it was very hard for me in school because when you're someone who is stuttering everyone in the classroom is laughing at you and therefore, six months before my A-term, before finishing school, I broke up school because I was totally afraid of speaking in front of the people at the final exams. And when you're a school dropout, you're a refugee, your name is Ali, you're stuttering, it's not the best entry point into any career. So I was forced to work in any possible job out there. I was cleaning floors, I was working at McDonald's, I was working as a security, I had so many different jobs. And a lot of my friends, they were studying, for example. And I always said to myself, maybe I'm not, I'm not good enough in the world. But I, 
But it was the time in my early 20s when I found out that, um, of course, I can sit at home and can say I'm, I'm so poor, uh, I'm the victim and stuff like this. But it's not going to bring me anywhere. And for me, education was very important always. Of, of course, I was afraid of school and speaking in front of people, but education itself was very important. And I used my early 20s to learn as much as possible and to finish school and university. I did it all um, alongside of my full-time jobs, which I had at the time. And what I saw was that a lot of friends uh, around me, they had great lives. They finished school in the way they should be. They started to go to university. But they all had this big problem. They had all of the chances in the world. They had everything. They, mm. they were living in the best world ever. They had the know-how of the world, the knowledge in their pockets, in their mobile phones. But they had no idea what to do in their life. And f for myself, uh, I was so afraid of, of having a bad life because I was the scooter about it. I was the refugee in the eyes of society. I was no, no one. So I was so forced to work on myself because I knew that for me, it's going to be much, much harder than for them to have a successful life. And I saw that a lot of my friends, they were so afraid of the future. They had no idea what to do. They had so many skills, but they had no idea what to do with these skills. And for me, it was like, okay, I want to finish school. I want to do something meaningful. And, you know, when I was a kid, I, I always asked for an adult who could help me. On my journey i always ask for an adult who maybe would come to our school to to show us kids hey guys no matter where you're from and what you've done in your life there are so many possibilities out there in your world in the world and you know when when you're someone who's sitting at home and in the eyes of society you have nothing like as i said before you 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 broke up school you're a, uh, and you're a school dropout. You're a, uh, you're someone who's totally stuttering. You have so many jobs um, every week. In that moment, no one has an ex has an expectation about you. And when no one is expecting anything from you, in that moment you are free. And what I found out was okay. No one has any expectations about me. I can do whatever I want to do. And in that moment. In that, in that moment of freedom, I started to dream. I said to myself, I want to finish school. I want to go to university. I will show all the kids who had the same history like I had. I want to show them what's possible in the world. And it was the time of my life where I had something like a breakdown, but also something like, how, how should I say? If I don't dream my life now, maybe I will never do it again. And it was the time of my life where I was very lonely because I had no idea what really to do. But because I was lonely, because there was so much silence around myself, I had the chance to make a picture of my future. And this was my early 20s. I was working like hell in all of the jobs. In the evening, I was going to school and to university to finish the stuff. And after all of these things, I started to work in the corporate world. And of course, I also had uh, one of these major breakdowns at that time. I had a burnout when I was 27 because my father died suddenly and my whole life I thought that having a good job, having a good income, this is the goal of life. Then you have all of these things, you're around 27, you're in your, yeah, you're, you're a generation Y kid and then someone dies and you see, okay, what is it worth uh, working like hell for nothing? Because when my father died, it was sudden, it was totally out of nothing and I still remember um, I was in the hospital and the doctor told me that so my father died last night, suddenly, out of nothing, at the age of 53. And I said to the, to the doctor, 
um, the first, so my first sentence was, I was not able to say, okay, dad, maybe I will say, I don't know, see you later or so maybe bye bye or thank you for everything. And I, and I said to the doctor, I was not able to say anything to my father. Um, and the doctor told me, you know, Mr. Malachi, when people die, everyone who's left, they always say they never had the chance to say goodbye. And this was a shock for myself because in that moment I found out that I always lived a life like everything which is important to me and to my family, I will do it later. Maybe there's a plan B for life. And that moment I realized that there is no plan B for life. We do live our days like there is a plan B, but there isn't. When you're 27 and you think you have made it and then your father dies, it's a total crash. You totally hit rock bottom of life. And it, when I was 27, I had this burnout. It was a major burnout. I was not able to work for, I think, six months. And with the help of friends, I found out that at that time I was the biggest asshole in the room because I was just working for the money and the fame in the corporate world. And that brought me to rethink my life. And I thought about my life and I said, when I'm going to die, die so, so when I'm going to die one day, when people talk, are talking about me, they shouldn't talk about my great car, about my great income. They should talk about the things where I had an impact in the world. And I always said to myself, when I was a kid, I always wanted to have a cool teacher. And so I started to become a teacher. And then after teacher, I started to, to, to start what you do and so on. But I always learned from the major breakdowns in my life when I was young. Today, I don't need a breakdown to learn. There are other, other techniques which are helping me. But in the early days, the burnout was the best thing which could happen to me because it brought me to a point where I was very lonely and I, were, and I was forced to find answers to the hard questions in life. Who do you want to be and what's inside of you? And I can really tell everyone who's running for business and for career, a burnout is a good thing. Believe me. <laughs> it won't kill you. It's really, it, it really makes you strong it, it, and, and it shows you so what's important for you and, 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 yeah, and, and what's not. Okay. Um, yeah, burnout seems to be more and more common nowadays. Mm -hmm. um, what did you do when you hit that kind of rock bottom? What were your next steps? How did you basically change everything in your life you were working in in corporate i think mm -hmm. what were your next steps what did you decide to do then so the first thing which happens when someone tells you you, are, you have a burnout syndrome first thing is you're you're telling yourself this is bullshit i forget it I'm, I'm i'm way too young my managers my colleagues they told me come on you don't have a burnout go go on i don't know go for a long weekend go somewhere for a long weekend and after five six days you will see everything is okay i went for a long weekend i went for for vacation nothing changed the problem with the burnout is not that you're working too much it's not that you're working too hard it's that you don't have a purpose one day you're waking up and you're asking yourself what the hell am i going to do one day is that my job here uh why do i put my lifetime into this bullshit here And then you totally crash because everything around you which made sense before that, it's gone. And you have to redefine yourself. And the most important thing is to, is to understand you're not alone. You shouldn't try to get out of the burnout um, on your own. You can't do that. You need a coach. You need help. You, you need your family, your friends. You need the true friends who are staying with you no matter who you are in the business world. And 
to be honest, um, I lost a lot of friends at that time because they were business friends and people who, who liked Ali, who was a business consultant, a manager guy. Uh, but a lot of my friends who I know for more than, I don't know, more than 20 years, they stayed with me. They were there for me. They asked me the hard questions. And the other thing is I went to a doctor. Uh, it was a, how do you say, um, in German you say, a psychiatrist. A psychiatrist. Yeah, a psychiatrist. I went to him and he asked me the real hard questions. He asked me stuff like, so Mr. Malachi, uh, can you can you tell me your goals, your dreams for your, your future? And I only told him bullshit. I want to be a CEO in the next 10 years. And he said to me, so Mr. Malachi, please don't lie to yourself. Tell me stuff about your dreams, what you want to achieve in life. Start to dream big. And in that process, my friends and, and also he... Um, They helped me to find a new future for myself because when you're in a burnout, you're totally lost. You, it's, it's, it's a black hole. And then the people around you, they are helping you to get out. And the most important thing is but also don't hurt yourself too much. Don't blame yourself. Don't tell yourself you're not good enough. It's your fault. It's not your fault because if you would have known it better, you would have done something totally different in the past. So it's a process. It's like... <laughs> So how to say the first time I was totally in love with a girl I was I think 11 years old 12 years old she totally broke my heart because <laughs> she kissed a boy who was 16 years old and uh, in my life I think there were three or four girls who really broke my heart but I needed that uh, to grow to the husband I am today and it's the same with the world out there where you push yourself to limit where you don't know why you do that and when you realize that you have a burnout And therefore, a lot of people today, they do have burnouts because they learn from their parents and from their grandparents how the world of work should be. So you should push yourself harder. And all of these mindset thoughts, they, they had their time 40 years ago, 50 years ago, 60 years ago, 70 years ago in Europe when there was war. All of these mindset thoughts, they were important. Push yourself harder, more, because the people at the time, they were poor, they had nothing. But at the moment, when you take a look around yourself here in Europe, when you break your arm, you go to the next hospital, someone takes care of you. If you're thirsty, you can drink the toilet from the... Uh, you, uh, and, and you can have the water from the toilet. Uh, if you're unemployed, someone's taking care of you in, this, in the system. Today, we need a totally new understanding of our mindset. And when you go to the job market with the mindset of your grandparents and your parents, of course you were going to crash because they grew up in a world where you have to finish a school or university and then you have to work in a job for the rest of your life until you retire and then someone's taking care of you. Today, there is no company so which is going to tell you, of course, when you start to work with us, of course, in 30 years, you're going to have your job. And after that, of course, the government is taking care of you. This is not going to work. The... The two biggest security systems of the old world, your employer and the government, they do not exist in this in, in that in that concept anymore. And therefore, a lot of people out there that they're going to crash um, in their mindset. We call it a burnout. And it's also the reason why a lot of young people today say, I want to have a purpose in life. Because having one job for the rest of my life, how should I do uh, how should it work? Uh, a great car, the stock options, this is not important for me. I want more from life. And I experienced it nearly 10 years ago with my burnout. And in that moment, everyone laughed at me. But today, when someone has a burnout, the cool thing is that people do understand that it's a really big issue. 
Yeah. Um, one thing you, you touched on there is expectations and how we have so many external expectations. And that's something I've struggled with in the past as well. Mm-hmm. Um, my parents' expectations, as you said, friends of yours who basically have everything to, to be successful. Mm-hmm. I, I put myself in that part as well. And I think a lot of listeners as well. Do you have advice for anyone who... Yeah, who who's struggling with this weight of expectations to be successful mm. or to to be winning at life already or to have achieved this and this and this by 30, mm. stuff like that. Do you have any, any tips on how we can let go of these expectations? The thing is, um, take a look at the expectations which are following you every day. Write them down on a piece of paper and then Take a look at these expectations and ask yourself, are these expectations from myself based on my experiences? Are these expectations my goals? Or are these the expectations of my parents, of my grandparents, of my colleagues, for example? And then ask yourself, where are these expectations coming from? For example, if it's if there are expectations uh, so which are coming from your parents, ask yourself, why do they have these expectations? And what you will see is that these expectations, uh, they were important when they were kids or when they were younger in your age, but today they're totally outdated. And through that process, you will understand that maybe your parents or people around you, they stopped growing up in a way of managing their own expectations. And what parents do is they learn stuff from their parents. And if you don't rethink the stuff, you're giving it to your kids. And it takes sometimes six to seven generations to outdate expectations. This is a big problem. And our generation today, the generation Y and also the generation Z out there, which is, who is going to on the streets for the Friday for, for Friday for Future movement, these are the generations who are starting to think about these expectations because they see it's making them sick. But 20 years ago, 40 years ago, these expectations were totally okay, but now we have to write new rules. And when I work with young people who have a lot of expectations on their shoulders, I always say, write them down and then ask yourself, is it based on your expectations? And is it on track with your future plans? Or are these or are these stuff from your parents and from other people? And then ask yourself, why do they have these expectations? And then you, and then you have to ask yourself, Are these expectations outdated from your parents or not? When you go through that process, believe me, on the next day, you will understand where they come from and you will, from day to day, you 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 won't listen to them. All of the voices of these expectations, they're, they're becoming, uh, how do you say, not louder. They're, quieter. Yeah, quieter and quieter and quieter. And one day, they're not there. Okay. And what about finding your purpose? Because mm. I feel like there's almost a huge expectation there now mm. as well. To everybody has to find their purpose, mm. and and if we haven't found it yet, we feel like, oh my god, I haven't mm. found my purpose yet. Um, can you tell us a bit about how you found your purpose mm. and how you help young people maybe to mm. find their purpose and what you would tell someone who's not sure? Because, yeah, mm. the thing with the purpose is. Um, 70 years ago, when there was war in Europe, people had a big um, purpose. It was surviving. It was that their kids, they should have a better life than themselves. It was the purpose of the past. 
then um, Europe, it, it started to become better and better and better. And the purpose of the last 20 to 30 years was having a good life, a great car, a great income. The job should be great. This was the purpose. What we do have today from the job market and from the government is that there, there is no purpose out there. We do have everything. We do live in the best world, but we're in a lot of ways totally lost. And when you talk to scientists about purpose and you ask them, why do we need a purpose? They will tell you that take a look at people who achieved great things in hard times. When you ask them, how, do, how have you managed these hard times? When you talk to a mother, maybe, who, who lost 50% of the family, for example, in an accident, how have she managed it to, I don't know, help the other kids who survived? When you talk to people about their hard times, they always say, There was a bigger purpose. There was something out there which was bigger than myself, and I had to be strong. When you talk to the people who were arrested under under um, so Adolf Hitler, uh, and when you ask them how have you survived that time, they always say there was a bigger purpose. It was Viktor Frankl who once said, "If you have a purpose in life, you can manage everything." And what we do have today. And it's, it sounds ridiculous. We do have everything we need for living, but we do don't have the purpose. Therefore, so many young people out there, they're running around and they want to have purpose. And why? When you take a look at the DNA of a human being, when you take a look at kids who are three or four years old, talk to them, go with them in, in a park. A kid who is three or four years old will ask you questions about the why every two minutes. Why is the moon in a round shape? Why is there snow on the on the trees? Why, why, why? And, and the parents are doing what? Don't ask stupid questions. I have no idea. The thing is, we, are, we were always programmed to understand why we do what we do. Always. So it's, it's, not, it's, it's not a thing where we say this is something new. This is, this is a trend. What we do is that the purpose of the world, of the working world, of the government out there, it's gone. And we're lost. And what we do is we are going back to the basics. We ask ourselves as human beings, who are we? Therefore, so many young people, they want to work um, in a company with uh, social impact. They want to work for NGOs. They want to do something meaningful. And when older people are telling me, ah, another kids with this purpose question, I always say, do you have kids? And they say, yes. And I always say, okay, do you remember the age when they were three or four years old? They say yes, and I said, okay, when you think about your own kids, have they ever asked you questions with why, why, why? They always say, ah, oh, yeah, it was so disturbing. And then they remember, oh, shit, I was always like that. And therefore, the purpose uh, question these days, it's, it's totally okay. We need that purpose because otherwise we're going to be lost. And if we, <laughs> I will say one thing. The biggest problem for our planet today is the climate crisis. Mm -hmm. And it's not the politicians at the CEOs and the companies and the economy which are going to save us. It's the question for purpose of young people who are going on the streets to save the planet because they ask themselves, why the hell should we do it in that way? In that, in that way? And so the purpose thing, <laughs> believe it or not, this is going to save our future. And how did you find yours? I found it in the, in the. I found it in that moments when I had nothing. So you always find your purpose when everything else is gone. When I had my burnout, <laughs> I lost my job. 
the people in my job told me, come on, you're way too young for a burnout. My girlfriend at that time, she left me because oh, wow. she always she also thought having a burnout, come on, uh, you're way too young for that. And you have to imagine I was sick officially for a few months. I was sitting at home in my pajama and everything was gone. And my father was all, uh, had, had always died. And in that moment, it was a black hole. And, and as I said before, with, with the help of a few friends, I started to ask myself, if someone would tell me you have one year to live, for example, what is it what you would do? And at that moment, I knew it. I want to do something for kids. I want to do something for, 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 for a society. I want to become the adult I always wished for when I was a kid. And when people come to me and they say, I, I, I'm looking for my purpose, I always say, okay, imagine yourself in your childhood. Was there a wish for an adult who should come and help you and save you? And maybe you will become that adult you wished for when you were a kid. When you go with people through that process, then they will have an answer for that. That's so beautiful. Um, and you just had a daughter. <laughs> yeah. um, how has that changed your perspective on, on that whole thing and on your perspective on life as well? Yeah. The cool thing is that in my, work, in my daily job, uh, 40% of my time, I do work with kids between the ages of six and 19. So, and I also work a lot with their parents, for example, when they tell me, yeah, we do have problems with our kids. I always know it's not the issue of the kid, it's the issue of the parents. Yeah? You, you have to work with the parents to, to fix the kid, to say it in that way. And how has it changed my life? I always knew that I want to have kids. And last, it was last year when I got married, and a few weeks later, my wife told me she's uh, she's pregnant. And it was crazy because um, I, I had an accident uh, while I was doing sport. I was I was in the hospital. Uh, and she and when I, while, while I was in hospital, she told me she's pregnant. And I was sitting there in the, in the hospital. I was lying in my bed for around six days. It was not very long, but it made me speechless because I said to myself, what the hell is going on? Uh, I don't know, so what the hell is going on? Because, of course, I always wanted to have a kid, but in that moment when you know there's this little thing which is growing up and it's just made by two human beings and no technology from outside, the technology is inside of us, then you start to be more grateful for life. And when she was born in March, <laughs> it was crazy because in the first moment when I had her in my arms, it was not like... Now I know why I'm on this world. In this world, okay. I always said to my wife, and then she also always said to me, "If we are not going to have kids, it's also okay for us." But since my little daughter is there, life is more fun. It's really more fun. And when I have a bad day, and I play with her, I go to her. I I I sit and I sit next to her. Everything else is just bullshit. When I have a fight with someone uh, about anything out there, when, when I play so with my daughter, I know what life is all about. And she's very cool. <laughs> I really love her. Um, and what really changed is how to say. It's not that I that there was something before that where I said, okay, there was something missing in my life. But since she's here, I always say to myself, oh, damn it, I'm so lucky that I had a, had a kid because 
it's a kind of experience you can't trade in with anything else. And it's a kind of experience where I always said to myself, so when I die one day, when I take a look back on my life, I want to have a lot of experiences. And I can travel the world, but having your own kid in your arms and seeing how it grew up, uh, how this kid is learning from you, this is a way of experience I think, yeah, it's unique. Awesome. Um, one thing I'd like to talk to you about as well is relationships, which is obviously very closely linked to that. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of us 20-somethings struggle, struggle during our 20s to find a, a good partner, to stay in a relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, in all of these years you've been on this earth now, what have you learned about relationships? What's important and yeah. And the thing I learned about relationships is the same thing I learned <laughs> with uh, stuff like the purpose or what should I do in my life. Don't stress yourself. Don't expect to know who you are or what you want until you're 30. What I learned is that <laughs> the ages of 20 to uh, so between 20 and 30, these are the times of life where you you have to to challenge yourself. You have to try things out. You have to see who you are. You don't have to find the answers. After 30, then you can start to find the answers. When people are telling me, when they're 24, I don't know my purpose. I say, give yourself time. You're going to be 100 years. Give yourself time. You need to make experiences. And, and the, uh, I always say to people, at the age of six, you went to school. And you left school at the age of, I don't know, 19, 18. You don't know who you are. You were just sitting in a fucking, sorry, classroom listening to other people, learning stuff you you don't need. And then, at the age of 19 and 20, you hit the real life. And you need time to understand who you are. When you don't know who you are, how do you want to be someone who's there for someone else? If you're a 20 and you're in a big... And, and you think, okay, this is, this is the biggest love of my life. Maybe this is going to happen, but maybe you're also still a kid. And you have no idea what you want. What I found out was that when I hit 30, I had a clue of who I am. And now I'm 37 and I can tell you, when I think about my life 10 years ago, I can tell you that now I know that I have no idea who I am, but I know what I want and what I don't want. And I, last year I got married and Anna, she's my dream wife. She's my dream And I can tell you, I needed the time to understand who I was to become her husband one day. When it comes to relationship, I always say to people, find a relationship to yourself. You need to love yourself more than anyone else. And I don't mean how you look or what you have. It means waking up in the morning, taking a look at yourself and saying, hey, it's good to see you. And you are great like you are. You don't need to become anyone out there. You are someone. And if you really understand what that means, in that moment, you are open for other people. In that moment, you are open to be found from other people because love or relationship, it it does not going to happen when you start searching. The coolest things in life, they will hit you when you are ready. And becoming ready means walk your journey to yourself and it needs time it needs approximately 10 years after school so i always say to the people don't stress yourself wait until you're 30 35 and then everything will hit you <laughs> that's great to hear yeah i'm 26 but that's one of the things that 
a lot of my my podcast guests say is like yeah things get better after 30 you know always. who you are <laughs> always and and that gives me some peace um what next um you also mentioned that you did over 40 jobs mm -hmm. i think this is this is really cool especially because it goes um with what you just said you have to try out a load of different things mm -hmm. to figure out what you want to do um what was that like doing so many different jobs and what were like the top one two three that you really learned lessons for life from When I was a kid, I, I once learned in school that there are more than thousands of jobs out there. Thousands of jobs, hundreds of thousands of jobs out there. And the teachers always expected from us to, to name them one job we want to do for the rest of our life. And I always said to myself, life is like a toy store. You want to play with a lot of toys out there. When you go to a park, you want to play with everything. And... When I was thinking about the job market, I always said to myself, I want to try so many things out. I want to become a teacher. I want to fly to the moon. I want to do that. I want to do that. And this was the thing I tried for myself. And my dad always said to me, Ali, people are always going to tell you which kind of job is the right one out there. The problem is when you grow up, maybe you will start in a job which is not the right one for you, but for society. But the, <laughs> but the really bad things are happening when you're waking up in the morning at the age of 40 and you see, damn it. I'm not living my own life. I'm living the expectations of others. Okay, yeah. And then changing the direction is really, really hard. And he always helped me, also my mom, to use my spare time in the summer months, for example, in the holidays, to try so many things out as possible. And this became part of my DNA, trying things on my own. A few years ago, I was a startup founder. Now I'm a co uh, Now I'm a keynote speaker and someone who's writing books. I, d I have no idea what I'm going to do in the next four years, <laughs> as long as uh, as long as it goes along with my purpose. And the coolest <laughs> jobs, where I learned the most, really, to tell you, I was working on a construction site. Mm -hmm. um, and when you're working on a construction site, you have people with um, jobs where you don't get paid a lot someone who's, who's laying the bricks a bricklayer for example but of course you also have to sort of sort of big architects and on a construction side what you really learn is you learn to talk to different people on eye level one day it's the architect one day it's the bricklayer and this was the coolest thing i learned there how to talk to people on an eye level mm. um and another job which really formed me was working in the fast food industry where you are in sales and on the other side the customers they are not treating you very well and you're learning how to sell them maybe more but being calm and very nice to them although they're totally in a way of stress they're coming in they want their burger they want something they're yelling at you and you have to stay calm and then and then you have to ask them maybe you want a coke light more maybe <laughs> adding one and What I really learned in my jobs was how to talk to people on eye level, no matter who they are. Yeah. Um, and this was definitely the coolest thing. Working in the fast food industry, working on the construction set, and, and working as a teacher. Because when you're working as a teacher, you have to understand that kids are very authentic. If they don't want to listen, they do not listen. When I'm today a keynote speaker and maybe someone in the first row is totally bored because of my keynote speech... They are not going to tell you this. They sit there like adults do and they are listening to you. But when you're in a classroom in front of kids who are 15 years old, when they get bored, 
they don't listen to you. And when I was a teacher, I really learned how to bring my information in a way where people really say, I want to know more. And I think these three jobs were the coolest ones. You already mentioned that the world of work has completely changed. Like we don't stay in one job for Mm -hmm. our whole career. I think this can also be quite challenging, actually, um, to kind of stay up to date and know what to do, how to prepare for that kind of job market. What would you recommend to anyone um, who's entering the job market or who's just starting their career or who's even further on in their career? What do they need to do to stay on top? Don't listen to experts. <laughs> um, when I was a kid, I always learned that you have to finish school, then you're becoming an expert in a field, and then you have to work in that field. Truth to be told, this has, it, it has nothing to do with reality today. So when I work with young people about the job market, I'm telling them, see your job as a project. It has a starting point, it has an end point, and in between you are challenging yourself, you're learning things, you are delivering stuff. You're meeting other people, but prepare yourself for the time after that for another project. And if you work with kids or young people like that, they are not afraid of the future. They, they, what they are telling me is, cool, if I start to work in a job and I say to myself, I don't like it, and if I change the job after two or three years, no one's going to blame me. When my grandparents, when they changed their jobs after four years because it was boring for them, Everyone was blaming them. Everyone told them you're a job hopper. Uh, I, uh, and, and today you can change yourself if you don't want to work in, in a field. And this is totally cool because when you take a look at kids, I always have to talk about the kids, they don't want to play with one thing. They always want to change their experiences. And how can you prepare yourself for the job market? Um, there is a study by the World Economic Forum uh, they are doing this study every year and it's it's a big question about the future of job market with a focus on which kind of skills do we need. There is this list, um, these are the skills for the future, there is this list with the top 10 and only I think one skill is around technology. It's technology, understanding, software engineering and stuff like this. The other skills in the top 10 are only about things which are part of our of being a human being it's uh, stuff like empathy like um rethinking stuff getting in connection with other people the main goal of the skills of the future are based on how you deal with other people and how you connect the dots because there is so much stuff out there so much know-how out there there are so many experts and people out there and the most important thing in the job market is based on your project or your job how do you connect all of these stuff how do you how do you stay aware of the complexity of the world uh, out there? And if you focus yourself on your on your own skills, to the stuff where you are good at, where you know how I deliver um, uh, a real value for others, and if you do connect it with other people around yourself, you will always be someone who's very valuable for the job market. But if you only focus on the things you know because you learned that, you will be outdated by new information, by smarter people, and of course, AI and stuff like this. Yeah, totally. Um, I also noticed that you invest a lot of time and maybe money in into developing yourself, personal development. I think you just went on a fasting retreat as yeah, far as I know. Exactly. Um, I like to do those things as well. Do you want to tell us about maybe just one or two things that really kind of 
made mm. a huge difference to mm. your life. I totally believe that big changes, they only happen um, when you do stuff where you feel un uncomfortable. I don't say get out of your comfort zone and stuff like this. Everyone's saying this, but no one knows what this means. People think <laughs> get out of your comfort zone only means jump out of a plane. And I did that. Okay. <laughs> um, what I mean is do stuff where you're not an expert. Do stuff where you're a little bit afraid of. Where you say, oh shit, I have no idea how I'm going to handle that. And in these moments, you are growing. And for example, in 2015, it was end of 2014, I thought about my future at What You Do. And when I started What You Do in January 2012, I said to the board and to my co-founders, I will do that for three years. But in three years, I want the company to be at a point where, where someone else could take over the CEO role. And it took me three and a half years to put the CEO role in the hand of someone else. And it was end of 2014 when I knew that the change is coming. And the change of the CEO, uh, so, so the CEO change, it was in June or July 2015. And what I did was I knew when I'm taking over the CEO role to someone else, I have to get out of the company for a few days or a few weeks because it's your baby, you're handling anything else. And then one day you're saying, okay, I will give the keys to someone else. And it's not easy to sit there and say, oh, okay, someone else is doing the decisions. I would do it in another way. This is not going to work. Every, every CEO I talked with said, hey, <laughs> go on vacation, do something. And what I did was, um, in the eyes of a lot of people who know me, they told me I'm crazy. I went for a retreat. Mm -hmm. uh, and you have to imagine, I stepped down as the CEO. And two days later, I was on a train to a city in Carincia. And I went on a retreat for 10 days. 10 days of silence. Oh, wow. 10 days saying nothing. It was Vipassana meditation. It started at 4... 4.30 in the morning, meditating until 9 o'clock p.m. Then you go to bed. There, are around, there were around 20, 25 people there. You were not allowed to talk to each other, although you share your room with three other people who were strangers. And what I found out in that time was in the first three days, it was totally silence there. It was meditation. But in the first three days, I thought I'm going to kill myself. I I found out how many thoughts were in my brain and I was not able to control them. The cool thing there was they teach you how to control your thoughts. And after four days, <laughs> you can play with your thoughts. You can say, okay, that thought is cool. No, I don't like another one. Okay, please go away. And you're like, what the hell is going on? And you see how you can manage your thoughts. And then you learn a lot of techniques for breathing. And after the 10 days, I found out that no one there wanted to speak after breaking the silence. Everyone said, I don't want to speak. It was so great. This was one of the import most important things, the Vipassana meditation. I went to <laughs> so many uh, weird uh, so meditation journeys. <laughs> uh, and I do see myself like a living pin... Uh, like a, how to say in the world of science you have these rats where you can try and anything try out on them so when i see myself like <laughs> like a rat i want to see what's out there that's so cool um ali we've talked about so many so many interesting topics and so many great nuggets of, of 
wisdom in there. Um, I always finish off my podcast asking my guests, um, if you were to go back to your 20-year-old self who's sitting in uh, a sushi restaurant and they get a, a fortune cookie, mm-hmm. and if there was one piece of advice you could put in that fortune cookie, what would that one piece of advice be? Everything you have ever so wished for is already there. Give it time to find you. So beautiful. Thank you. Um, awesome. Um, what's next for you? Where are you heading? You don't know? Because you said... <laughs> um, I, I do live in the moment and I don't plan for the next 10 years. What I know is what I will do in the next f- f- few months. Next week I'm starting a tour in schools in Germany. After that, I have a tour in a lot of corporations, a lot of conferences about the future of technology and how we we as human beings can deal with the technology. It's in front of a lot of CEOs in Germany and in Switzerland. So I, I, have, I do have my keynote tour and I also am uh, going to finish my book. It's my third book about how to find your purpose in life. Oh, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it will be released in, I think, March 2019. And I'm preparing myself for my first own show about how to create the future you want to live in it it will also be in march 12th i think in vienna so there are a lot of things uh, coming up but <laughs> most important thing is, uh, i'm 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 so curious about is now my 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 little girl is 5 months old and people told me when kids are, are around 6 months they start to 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 move more on the floor they start mm-hmm. to crawl around and I'm looking for, um, and I'm totally waiting for that. And, and then you have to run around after yeah, them. All this the time. will be my job. <laughs> this, is, this is going to be my job, and this is the most important thing for me at the moment. Great, but it's good to hear that you don't have like a, a detailed plan because um, we can get caught up on that as well. Um, do you have any book recommendations for any listeners who might be going through? Um, a quarter life crisis or something of that kind i can uh, yeah there is this one book i can tell you no matter if you have a crisis or not this is a book which really reminds you um on things which are very important it's a book where i always say people don't read it in the i don't know in a bus or in an airplane read it at home when you have time for yourself it's from eckhart tolle it's called now um it's a book which is very simple in, in its writings, but it uh, reminds you what's important and it helps you to to find silence because you need to listen to yourself, what's inside of you. And this is only possible when you're here and now. This is not possible when you when you're somewhere else with your uh, with your thoughts. And it's a book where I always say to people, don't read it only one time, read it five times, six times, seven times. You need that, and every time you read it. There's something new for you in that book. The book is in a way totally magic. Awesome. I have to read that. I haven't read it yet, but it's on my list. Yeah, great. Um, you have time for that. <laughs> I, I read it the first time when I was 32 years old. And it's, yeah, so you have time. Yeah, but that's one of the main things I'm struggling with right now is staying in the now, you know, yeah. social media and everything. It gets us yeah. distracted all the time. So. But I can tell you one thing. Don't try to push yourself into silence. Don't try to push yourself into the here and now. It needs time. If I would tell my little girl, the age of five, um, be in here and now, she would say, Dad, let me alone. I want to play. 
with other kids. Everything needs time. And I can tell you, <laughs> 10 years ago, for me, it was not possible to be in silence for myself. I needed the burnout to, to, to go there. Today, it's, it's much, much easier for myself. And maybe the architect of our life, maybe the architect said, when you're 25 or 27 or 26, you don't need to be in silence. Be loud. Go out in the world. Uh, so cherish life. Try everything on your own because silence will come later. Who knows? Yeah, I totally agree. I was just talking to a friend about that today, like that you have books on your list which you haven't maybe read. And mm. I think there's always a reason. Like mm. maybe you read it in three years and mm -hmm. that's the exact time you need it. Mm -hmm. So I think it's it's important to just take the information when you need it and exactly. in your time. Exactly. Yeah. If you need take information in the moment you need it, this is in here and now. Mm. Awesome. So just to finish up, if people want to follow your journey, I've been following your Facebook and Instagram <laughs> and you're so active. Oh, it's you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> just me and yeah. millions of others. Yeah. Um, but you're super active on social media. And what I absolutely love is um, you're very open and you're mm. very honest and yeah, I, I love that about your social media channels. Thank but, you very much. Um, where can people find you? Where can they follow your journey or mm. buy your book? Or, yeah. So the cool thing about my name is it's very unique. Ali Malochi. Yeah. There is, is, yeah, there's no one else out there. So if you Google me, you will find me. But I think um, the most common information you will find on, on Facebook uh, and, of course, on, on, on Instagram. Uh, if you want to write me stuff, uh, please DM me on, on Instagram. It's the it's the best way to get in contact with myself. Otherwise, it's social media. I do have a website. Just Google it, and you will find my website. Ali, uh, it's Ali, and then a dot, and then do Ali dot do. Um, yeah, and if I can give an answer, I will do. If I don't answer, please don't get me wrong. Maybe it's because I have a lot of things You're to do at the moment. Busy. Yeah, uh, I I also have only twenty four hours. Well. That leads me on to thank you for taking the time. I will pop all those links in the show notes so everybody can get in touch. It was but a thank pleasure. you so much. It was such a beautiful conversation. And yeah, thank you. Thank you so much for your questions. All right, guys. I hope you enjoyed this wonderful episode with Ali. I. I can only say this has been a life-changing chat actually to have with someone. It was such an in-depth and honest conversation about so many topics that are taboo and people don't really talk about that openly and I'm just incredibly grateful to Ali for opening up, taking the time and um, yeah, he was just a gentleman throughout. Um, I wanted to touch on one major thing that we discussed in this episode to let you know what's going on in my life and how this has evolved throughout my 20s and that's expectations, especially my parents' expectations. Um, yeah, it's something that I've actually more and more recently gotten rid of or learn to let go of is um, my parents expectations um, at some stage I think it needs to hit you or if it hasn't yet this episode might be a wake-up call to ask yourself where your expectations are coming from and for me it 
actually came from a situation where I had an argument with my dad and we were sitting in a restaurant and I can't remember what the topic was but um, a lot of emotion came up and I ended up actually getting quite upset about it because I had this feeling of him not understanding me um not understanding my career choices or how much work I was putting into getting ahead in my career and my life and all that and a lot of emotions came up and when this happened it was very unexpected for both me and my dad and um, I really reflected on it after this situation and I was like why did this make me so emotional like why did I get so upset and um, basically I just came to the conclusion that I was trying to I had an inner conflict between what I knew was right for me and what I knew was um, maybe subconsciously my dad's expectations or my parents expectations and that is nothing to say against my parents or my dad or anything or your parents it's not like they do it on purpose but um subconsciously they set up a set of expectations you're supposed to meet and that could put a lot of pressure on yourself and um as long as you have this inner conflict of trying to meet their expectations and actually feeling the fact that you want to do something else with your life or you're probably never going to live up to their expectations um, can cause a lot of disharmony inside yourself. So um, my tip is to let that emotion come up to actually like recognize it that it mightn't actually be your expectation. As Ali said, write it down. I'm going to do a bit of that now as well and reflect on that and try and let it go because yeah trying to live up to someone else's expectations is never going to get you very far it's basically just going to hold you back because you're not living true to yourself um yeah that's my little story to expectations i hope you enjoyed the episode i already learned so much i can't wait to try out some of the things that ali mentioned like the vision board kind of saying things out loud to yourself and all that jazz let me know what you think of the episode and hop on over to instagram follow me under at quarter life living podcast you can also hop on over to the website quarterlifelivingpodcast.com where you can also find the show notes and anything i might have linked um i definitely will link all of the books that ali mentioned as well um also follow and subscribe to the Quartz Life Living podcast and share it with all your friends. I'm also on YouTube if you prefer watching videos. I'll talk to you soon. Bye.